Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're in Chapter 9 of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. This is a book that is being shared with you in order to help you learn the teachings of the Buddha and progress on this path to enlightenment. And one of the primary central teachings that the Buddha is always essentially exposing us to in his teachings is what is gamma and how does it affect me? That's today's class in chapter nine is what is gamma and how does it affect me? All of the Buddhist teachings in one way or another point back to this natural law of gamma. So today we're going to be talking about what is gamma. We're going to be talking about the four types of gamma, and we're going to be talking about how to eliminate unwholesome gamma in order for you to progress on this path to enlightenment. So this is what we're going to be discussing today and helping to pull back the covers and expose you more to this natural law of gamma. You know, the way that it's shared in a lot of different places is it's kind of like this mystical, magical thing that is kind of, uh, you know, almost like this dark cloud that's following us and this punishment and rewards. But what you're going to hear today is that the natural law of gamma has nothing to do with punishment and rewards. It has nothing to do with this black cloud that's following you and where you're going. This is kind of very daunting to think about gamma in this way. So I'm going to help to demystify this topic for you because the more that you understand this natural law of gamma, the more that you can make wise decisions in order to navigate this world. When we talk about that third poison that the mind has, that ignorance or delusion or confusion or unknowing of true reality, what the mind doesn't understand, it doesn't understand. That's what the unenlightened mind is. Well, that ignorance or unknowing of true reality is that the mind is ignorant or unknowing of true reality about this natural law of gamma. And when the mind doesn't understand this natural law of gamma, we progress in the world and we do things. And it's a real struggle to exist in a world that we don't understand the natural laws. And as I always tend to talk about when we arrive on this topic of the natural law of gamma is how this natural law of gravity is essentially the same way. And we experience the exact same thing. What we're doing with the natural law of gamma in Gautama Buddha's teachings is we're learning the teachings, we're reflecting on those, and then we're practicing them to see that they're truth. Not believing in gamma, but actually seeing that it's true for yourself. 
And when you see that it's true for yourself, then you'll know that you absolutely have discovered the truth and you'll have more wisdom about this natural law. And by having more wisdom about this natural law, you will then be able to navigate the world and exist peacefully because you can make decisions in your life through your own free will based on the wisdom that you understand from this natural law of gamma. So your mind will awaken, i.e. gain wisdom, about this natural law of gamma and you will be able to more easily navigate the world understanding this natural law of gamma and you won't struggle the way that you did in the past. Well, that's what you're doing on this path to enlightenment is you're learning, you're reflecting, you're practicing, seeing the truth for yourself and you're making wiser and wiser decisions and the mind is awakening and you're experiencing better results. You did exactly the same thing with the natural law of gravity. You just didn't think about it that way and you didn't really look at it that way because as you were learning about this natural law of gravity, you didn't really think about it that way because we were quite young. When we were growing up as children, we struggled in the world with this natural law of gravity. We didn't understand it. And because we didn't understand it, we would fall down, we would hit our knees, we would hit our chin, we would bust up our elbow, we would hit our head on things, we would place our toys certain places and they would fall down and break. And we struggled in the world. And, and even when we started walking, we would fall down. And then we got really good at walking and we tried to run and we would fall down when we would run. And then we got really good at that. And then we would jump and we would fall down at that and get better at it. And then we would learn to skip and how to skip along. And then we got good at that. And then we learned how to ride a bicycle. Wow, we learned how to ride a bicycle and balance ourselves with this natural law of gravity. But we still fell down and we made mistakes. But then we got right back up and we figured it out. And our mind became more wise and we gained this wisdom and our mind awakened to this natural law of gravity. And the more that we did that, we found that the world became a more peaceful and calm place because we understood how to make wise decisions about put our nice things here so they don't get busted up. And when we're walking, be sure we tie our shoes. And when we're walking, make sure we look at the sidewalk and we're not tripping over rocks or uneven surfaces. And when we're riding our bike, we learned how to kind of use the momentum of the bike. So we made all these decisions and we learned this natural law over many, many years. It took us many years to learn it and get comfortable with it. Well, the natural law of gamma is the same way. We stumble, we trip, we make mistakes, we fall down, we hurt ourselves, we struggle. And it's not until you land into understanding the Buddhist teachings that you deeply understand this natural law. And even when you start understanding it, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall down. You're going to bruise your elbow. You're going to bruise your head. You're going to have some challenges and it's going to take you many years to learn this natural law of gamma just like it did with the natural law of gravity but you've got a teacher to help you and support you and encourage you and allow you to seek guidance and as you do and you get your feet under you and you walk and you kind of learn how to walk and then you can kind of walk a little bit better and you kind of get better with this natural law and the mind awakens to this wisdom and now you can start making decisions in the world very differently 
than you did in the past before you understood this natural law of gamma. And as you make wiser and wiser choices based on what you understand about this natural law, then you will have better outcomes. Just like as you learned about the natural law of gravity, you made wiser decisions and you had better outcomes, you're gonna do the same thing with the natural law of gamma. You're gonna get wise to this natural law more and more and more as you see how it works. And then as you do, you'll be able to navigate the world more peacefully, more calmly, and it won't be a struggle anymore. Just like now, you can roam about the world, travel anywhere you'd like, because you deeply understand the natural law of gravity, you'll be able to do the same thing with the natural law of gamma. But it just takes time, just like when you learn the natural law of gravity. It took time. You didn't learn it in a couple of months or a couple of days or a couple of hours. Or you didn't read just one book and automatically understood everything you needed about the natural law of gravity. So what today is all about is helping you to understand this natural law and kind of some real basic terms but kind of diving in a little bit detail so that you can relate everything else that we've been teaching and everything else we've been discovering on this path to enlightenment to the natural law of gamma because whether it's the four noble truths the eightfold path the five precepts the middle way the three poisons and everything else that i'm going to teach you in the remaining part of this program and anything else you learn about the Buddhist teachings. It's all going to be pointing to this natural law of gamma or karma, which some people say. This natural law, it's going to be pointing to this in one way, shape, or form. And by you learning it, reflecting on it, and seeing the truth for yourself through practice, your mind will gain wisdom and awaken to this natural law. So some people call it karma. This is another language, it's Sanskrit. Gamma is the Pali version, and people who are learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings from the Pali canon will tend to use the word gamma. If I could use an English word for this, I would, because everything else that I teach, I use English because it, you're able to immediately understand it if you're speaking and learning in a language that you understand. But there is no one word that actually explains what the natural law of gamma is. There's no way to translate that word gamma to just one word. So the way that I translate this is to help you understand more of what the natural law of gamma is. Well, first of all, let's just be sure that we understand it's a natural law, that it exists and it's functioning all the time, every single moment. Everything the Buddha taught is based on this natural law and is pointing to this natural law in one way or another. He's not telling you every single time, okay, here's the five factors of well-spoken speech. This is going to ensure you're only creating wholesome karma. Okay, here's the right action. This is going to ensure that you're producing only wholesome karma. Okay, this is right livelihood. This is to make sure you're only producing wholesome karma. But that's what is at play. All of his teachings are explaining to you the natural law of gamma in one way or another. What gamma is, or the natural law of gamma is, is it's the cause and effect, or action and result. There's some cause and there's some result, or some effect. There's an action and there's a result. So there's always gonna be this cause and effect. 
this action and result. The cause or the action is our decision. We're creating some decision and because of that decision or that cause or that action, there's going to be some effect or there's going to be some result. So essentially what gamma is, is it's the result of our decisions or the results of your decisions. You're making the decision, for example, to learn and practice the Buddhist teachings. That's a decision that you're making. You're deciding each day or you're building up to each day to meditate. And each day when you choose to meditate, that's a decision that you're making and it's got a certain result because the action is you're choosing to meditate and then there's a result. The mind becomes more peaceful, more calm. You're choosing to have a certain occupation or you're choosing to do certain things in the world. That's the cause or the action. And each individual decision that you make in the world is going to produce some effect or some result. And as long as you don't understand this natural law of gamma, you're going to be making decisions. Even though you think you have the best intentions, you're going to be making some decisions that are going to result in unwholesome outcomes because you don't understand the natural law of gamma fully. But the more you understand the natural law of gamma and everything that the Buddha has to teach, you will understand this with wisdom and you will make wiser and wiser choices. So the cause or action, your decisions, will produce better and better results. So that's what this natural law of gamma is. This natural law affects everything, whether we're aware of this natural law or not. So that's why even though we haven't been aware of this natural law when we were off this path, we were still being affected by it. We were still struggling in the world being affected by this natural law, even though we didn't understand it. So this natural law is going to be affecting us whether we're aware of it or not. There's no being or entity that is overseeing the functioning of the natural law of gamma. There's nobody that's controlling it or guiding it. The natural law of gamma just happens and it's a result of our intentions our speech and our actions just like if you had some rocks and you put them in a lake the rocks are going to sink to the bottom nobody controlled that nobody forced that to happen nobody made that happen it just so happens that rocks are heavier than water so when a rock is placed in the water it's just going to sink to the bottom of the the water It's just a natural law. It's a natural law of gravity. It just happens. Or if you put butter in the water and you tossed it into the water, it's just going to float because butter is lighter than water. Okay? So this natural law of gamma, it just functions. There's nobody that's overseeing it or controlling it or dictating what does or doesn't happen in any one given experience. It just happens all the time. It's not a system of punishment and rewards. That's really important to understand because this is a big misunderstanding in the world that there's kind of almost like this dark cloud that's following us around. And if we do something bad, then there's instantly going to be this unwholesome gamma that comes to us or if we do something good there's going to be this instant reward that's given to us this is kind of people's minds coming from more of other teachings that they've maybe misunderstood or maybe the teachings have been taught to them in a way that 
isn't really necessarily reflective of what's happening in the world, that there's somehow some entity that's punishing us and rewarding us as we go throughout our life. That's not how this world works at all. Instead, there's just this natural law that as things happen and as we make certain decisions, there's going to be certain results based on those decisions. This natural law is not a mystical, magical, dark cloud that's following us around. It's just the way that we do things in the world, the decisions that we make. And as we make those decisions, there's going to be certain results because of that. So now that we understand just a little bit about what is gamma from kind of a high level, let's talk about the four types of gamma that exist in the world. The four types of gamma that I would like to share with you are wholesome gamma and unwholesome gamma. And then we'll talk about old gamma and new gamma. Wholesome gamma are all the results of your decisions where you're practicing harmlessness. Whenever you're practicing harmlessness, meaning you're not causing harm in the world, then wholesome things are going to be happening. But if you're producing any kind of harm in the world, then harmful things are going to result because of that. And the Buddhist teachings are essentially sharing with us all the things that we can be doing in order to practice harmlessness. Because if you remember back to the Eightfold Path, that second step of right intention, it's all about practicing harmlessness or non-ill will. That second step is there for a reason because everything else that the Buddha taught is all based on harmlessness. If somebody is interested in harming other beings and they were trying to eliminate the harm that they were causing in the world, but yet they're actually harming others, this isn't going to work out because there's a conflict. So a Buddhist practitioner, someone who's progressing on this path to enlightenment, needs to have the intention or the thinking or the thought that I'm not interested in harming anything or anyone. It doesn't mean that you know how to do that exactly yet because you haven't fully dived into the teachings of the Buddha, but at least you have the intention in the mind that I'm not interested in harming anyone or anything. Because the way the natural law of gamma works is any harm that you're putting out into the world is only going to be returned to us. So if we're speaking aggressively and harshly to our children or to our friends or to our coworkers, then they're going to get used to us speaking that way with them and they're going to speak exactly the same way to us. That's our gamma coming back to us. And because we're putting harm in the world, speaking harsh and aggressive to our children or our friends or our coworkers, our parents, our siblings, because we're causing harm, speaking with harsh language, that's what's going to come back to us. And conversely, if we learn those five factors of well-spoken speech and we practice them really well and we get better and better at them, then we're putting good, wholesome speech into the world and then that's what's going to come back to us. So this is how the natural law of gamma works is it just happens. There's no entity controlling it. There's no black cloud that is hovering over us. There's no one that's punishing and rewarding us. If anything, we're punishing ourselves. Because the longer that we produce unwholesome speech, for example, 
the longer that we do that, the more harm we're putting into the world, the more harm is going to come back to us. So we're kind of like shutting down the gates. We're shutting down the dam of unwholesomeness. We're shutting down the flow of harm into the world through our own life practice and developing our own life practice. And by developing our own life practice and shutting down this harm and only putting wholesome things into the world, then more and more and more the people around us learn that we're doing wholesome things and then that's what comes back to us by way of the opportunities and relationships and things that we experience in the world. So from a very high level, this is wholesome and unwholesome karma, but we're going to actually talk about these two in much more detail today because that's the real core of what we're working towards on this path to enlightenment. But let's also talk about old karma and new karma because this is important as well. There's old karma. Old karma is decisions that we made in previous lives, but we're still experiencing the results of those decisions now. For example, our physical body, the physical body that we acquired at birth, that physical body or what we would call our genes, those are a result of old gamma. So whatever genes you got at birth, that's based on decisions that you made in a previous life. And the mind came into that physical body. And then from that point, once the mind is there, the consciousness is there, now there's all new decisions that are being made. And those new decisions are your new gamma. So if we've been born and we've received this muscular body that's really well toned and, you know, really nice shape and very well developed, these genes that we got are basically from decisions of our previous lives. And once the consciousness came into that physical body, from that point forward, if we start making decisions, for example, to eat bad food, and we become obese, or we develop heart failure, or we decide to smoke and destroy our lungs, then that is new gamma. That's based on the new decisions of this new life in this new life with this new mind. But the physical body itself is all old gamma. This is why if somebody's born blind, for example, or they are born deaf, for example, or they're born with any kind of birth defects, we say that this is from previous lives, that beings that are born with birth defects are just experiencing the results of their decisions from their previous lives. But then as we develop in this life with our physical body, with our mind, with all of our relationships and everything else that we experience, those are all new decisions because of this new consciousness, and this is what we call new gamma. But the things that we're going to really focus on the most today are this wholesome gamma and unwholesome gamma. So moving towards the Buddha's words and kind of helping you see what the Buddha actually taught related to gamma is here I'm going to share some passages or some abbreviated teachings from the Buddha, what he actually was sharing in regards to gamma. Here he says, beings are the owners of their gamma, the heirs of their gamma. They have gamma as their origin, gamma as their relative, gamma as their resort. Whatever gamma they do 
wholesome or unwholesome, they are its heirs. Okay, what he's saying here is nobody else can create gamma for you. Only you can create your own gamma because it's your decisions and the results of your decisions. Nobody can rub off their bad gamma on you. Right? This is something that we sometimes say in the world. It's not possible for somebody to do that. If somebody's going around talking harsh and rough to people and they're experiencing the results of that, but you're speaking kind and polite and friendly, respectful, then you're experiencing the results of your decisions because you're going to have lots of wholesome relationships in your life. But that person speaking very aggressively and harshly to people, they're going to have a lot of unwholesome results and unwholesome relationships in their life. So this is why if somebody talks disrespectful to you or if somebody is impolite to you, it doesn't actually help you to be impolite or disrespectful back because them being impolite and disrespectful to you affects them. It doesn't affect you. But the moment that you choose to then be impolite or disrespectful back, that's when it affects you. The way to extinguish this is for you to remain peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, practicing all of these good, wholesome teachings on the Eightfold Path to extinguish any unwholesomeness that is coming to you. So here with this passage, it's important for you to understand that only you can generate gamma. Why this is important is because as you make decisions in the world and you see different people being involved in different things, if they're involved in that, that's their life. It has nothing to do with you and it doesn't affect you. Only the decisions that you make affect you. The other reason why this is important is you're going to learn later in this program that there's some people even within this Buddhist tradition of Theravada Buddhism that think that you can transfer your gamma to another person. This is impossible. You can't transfer the results of your decisions to someone who's currently alive or someone who's passed away. It's impossible for us to do that because we are the owners of our gamma. Whatever decisions we make, wholesome or unwholesome, we experience the results of that. And in terms of results, the Buddha says, the result of gamma, I say, is threefold. To be experienced in this very life or in the next rebirth or on some subsequent occasion. So essentially what he's saying here is, you can't run from your gamma. Whatever decisions we make, wholesome or unwholesome, we're going to experience the results, either in this life, in our next life, or some subsequent occasion. Now, the goal is to attain enlightenment in this life so that you don't ever experience another rebirth or some subsequent occasion, right? So through learning and practicing the teachings in this life, you will extinguish all your unwholesome gamma. Therefore, you won't have to experience a rebirth. But in order to extinguish your gamma, we have to talk about some more things in order to help you understand how to actually do that. But before we get to that, let me just pause here and see if there's any questions that you guys might have either in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You can put your comments into the comment section. Our moderator, James, will see that and be sure your question gets asked during the class. 
But if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions you have to me directly. So David, is comma similar to the concept of we read what we say? Absolutely. This is where if anybody has been experienced or exposed to or learned Jesus Christ teachings, there's so many similarities between the two. But of course, there's some differences as well. But when Jesus Christ said, you reap what you sow, he's talking about the natural law of gamma. And he also went further and he talked about speech and he talked about actions and deeds and he talked about a lot of other things. But you're 100% correct there, James, that if you've ever learned and observed that you reap what you sow, that's what Jesus Christ was talking about. He just didn't use the words natural law of gamma. He used you reap what you sow. I was also wondering, is there a societal level of gamma such that we can be affected by the gamma of our society if our society has made unjust laws over the years and things of that nature? Yeah, this is deals with also uh, related to your previous lives. So, for example, if I was reborn into a country where the laws were extremely strict, there's a dictator, people are being controlled, I don't have access to food and shelter, water and education as other parts of the world does, that's my gamma from previous lives that I was born into that country, into that environment. So if somebody's born into famine-stricken environments or difficult circumstances, that's their gamma from their previous lives. With that said, as conscious individuals, we don't just turn a blind eye to that. If we're better off, if we're more fortunate, we look for ways to help elevate those beings and help bring them closer and closer to a more comfortable existence. But also those beings have to make decisions on their own too. So as people who are born into a existence like all of you, where you're experiencing a situation where you've got access to electronic devices, you've got access to the internet, you've got a certain level of income and a certain lifestyle that you can actually sit here on a Sunday and learn these teachings. But there's plenty of people in this world that can't just sit here on a Sunday and learn because they're out there busy working because they're concerned about are they going to be able to eat today? And there's people who can't afford an electronic device to connect into this class and actually spend the time to learn. These other beings are unfortunate. They're experiencing the results of all their decisions from this life and previous lives. But nonetheless, they are experiencing their gamma. And then for us, as we're learning these teachings, we're developing our mind, we become wiser, which as we become wiser, you're going to see that you'll be able to make more money in the world, the more wise that you are, if that's what you choose to do. And you can then use that wealth in order to help other beings and kind of elevate them in the world. And that's something that we can do as conscious practitioners, rather than just being selfish and holding on to our income selfishly, as we acquire more and more wealth in the world, a conscious individual who doesn't have craving, desire, attachment, who's practicing generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, we can actually do things to help others in the world. And we'll be able to do that in very wise ways. 
And to be clear, it's not about individuals in negative situations deserving their karma. It's just an explanation of the natural law of reality, essentially. Right. We're not actually looking at this as saying, okay, well, it's their fault or they're bad people or we're going to look down on them because that's their karma. That's not what this is about. You hit this right on the head, James, that it's just explaining what is. It's explaining what's happening. And now that we understand what's happening, that, okay, anybody who's experiencing unfortunate circumstances in this life, well, that is an accumulation of their decisions. And anybody who's experiencing beneficial outcomes in this life, that's an accumulation of their decisions. But as conscious individuals, we can make choices to help others. But we also have to ensure that we first have our own needs met because we need to sustain our own life. We need to sustain the life of our parents and ensure our parents are taken care of, our life partners, our children, and other people like this. And as we've got all of the people around us taken care of and they're content and peaceful, then if we've still got additional money, rather than just kind of blowing it on excessive things out of selfish desire, we can look for ways to help others. And that's an individual choice. Nobody's judging you if you do or don't do that. Nobody's going to tell you when you need to do that or how to do that. That's free will decisions that you make on your own as you kind of navigate this path and you come more into the middle and you see that you have the ability to help others, you can, but you're not obligated to, but most people find some way to help others as they progress in their life. We have a question from Nick. Teacher David, I recall in the Buddha Vajana series, examples of old comma on things for beauty, influence, wealth, short lifespan, but you mentioned the birth defects. What kind of comma slash deeds in a previous life would cause birth defects in the future? It's all the same, Nick. The, the things that you mentioned is what people learn when they get into that other program. You're doing both programs. So here I'm kind of introducing it and keeping it somewhat basic. But then once you get into the Pali Canon in English program, it really kind of expands and you see how much more you really are experiencing in this life based on previous life decisions. But all of the decisions are the same, Nick. So all those decisions that you see in the Buddhist teachings about what leads to being influential or beautiful or having wealth or all these other things, it's all the same exact decisions. And it's decisions along the lines of the five precepts and the Eightfold Path and all of these good, wholesome teachings that we make. The Buddha, while he taught some very specific things where he said, okay, if you kill, for example, if you kill in this life and you don't attain enlightenment in this life and you kill and you're constantly killing, that's going to lead to like a short lifespan in a future life. While the Buddha shares these things to help you understand the impact of our decisions, you shouldn't ever try to figure out exactly what decisions are leading to exactly certain results. The Buddha himself even said that you would drive yourself mad, essentially, if you tried to figure out exactly what deed leads to what result. But through learning and practicing these teachings, you're going to clear up all of that stuff so you don't have to be concerned about it. 
We have a question from Sarah. I understand that comma cannot be transferred to other people, but isn't comma the effect of something? So what is it when the effect of a deed affects other people who did not do the deed? If when a father or a mother kills another person and goes to jail, and this affects his or her children negatively, since they have to grow up without a parent, isn't this comma affecting the whole family? Or how do I have to understand this? Yeah, so this is based on your old gamma, right? Because you're born into a certain family based on the decisions of your previous life. And then when you're born into that family, if your parents, for example, killed another person and now the people in your community look at the child in a negative light, that's based on the decisions of your previous life that you've come into this family and now you're experiencing the results of that. So that is still based on your decisions. But this is also why we talk about having wholesome friends and wholesome associates because we did choose the family that we were born into, essentially. A lot of times we say that we didn't choose to be born or we didn't choose the family that we were born into, but in reality we did because in previous lives we didn't attain enlightenment and our decisions in previous lives led us into a certain family. And then based on the decisions of that family, we then experience the results of that. As we age, some people choose to step away from their family based on the things that are going on in their family. And that choice can sometimes be a very wise choice to do that. And that's something that I ended up doing at different parts of my life is kind of stepping away and kind of keeping a bit of a distance between myself and my family at different times as I worked through different things. So everything that we experience, either wholesome or unwholesome, is a result of our decision, either decisions that we made in this life or some previous life, even the example that you gave, Sarah. Alan has a similar question on a more global. He asks, is the suffering that is now occurring in India as a result of COVID compared to the far better experiences in some other countries, like Israel, a result of Kama. Yes, absolutely. So based on us choosing to, in our previous lives, to not attain enlightenment, and we were reborn into whatever family, whatever country we were born into, then once we're born into a certain country, we choose to live in that country, and then based on our association in that country, we choose a certain elected leaders to lead us in our country. And then when a big event like this happens with COVID, then there's certain decisions that are made by those elected leaders that then affect everybody in the country. So this is the result of decisions. This is the cause and effect or action and result, the result of our decisions. And we can even take that further and even look at COVID itself. COVID itself is a result of gamma as well. Every single thing that we experience, every single thing, nothing is happening without the natural law of gamma. Everything that we encounter, everything we experience is as a result of the natural law of gamma. Thanks, David. That's all the questions we have for now. Okay, so let's move a bit deeper into this and look at what the Buddha called the origination of unwholesome gamma. This is how do we produce unwholesome gamma from a high level. 
remember last week we spoke about and we discussed the three poisons or the three unwholesome roots or the three fires of craving, anger, and ignorance or greed, hatred, and delusion. We also talked about in terms of like desire or attachment or ill will or confusion or unknowing of true reality. So these three poisons, three unwholesome roots or three fires are what's polluting the mind in the unenlightened state and decisions that we're making are being made through these three poisons, three unwholesome roots or three fires and tainting whatever decision that we make. So remember that craving, desire, greed, attachment, wants, expectations, this is that mental longing for something with a strong eagerness, attempting to create pleasant feelings in the mind based on this mental longing with a strong eagerness. And because of that, we oftentimes make decisions based in selfish desires. Even though we think it's a pure decision for the benefit of others, it can be tainted and the mind might not see it that it's tainted with a selfish desire. And if we make those kind of decisions that are tainted with craving, desire, greed, attachment, expectations, wants, this mental longing with a strong eagerness, it's going to produce unwholesome results in the world because it's tainted with this unwholesome root of craving. Likewise, this poison or this unwholesome root or this fire of anger, hatred, ill will. This is where I talked about how the mind doesn't get the object of its affection and it experiences painful feelings and the mind becomes aggressive or hostile and we uh, react negatively towards others, oftentimes pushing people away with anger, right? And having aversion and kind of pushing away these painful feelings. Well, if we're making decisions based in anger, hatred, or ill will, even if it's just tainted with a bit of frustration or irritation or annoyance, kind of lesser versions of this, it's going to produce unwholesome results in the world. Because as we're annoyed, as you're frustrated, as you're irritated, and you make certain decisions or you speak in certain ways with your children or your life partner or your, your colleagues, that irritation, that annoyance is going to come through in your speech and that's going to taint how you're speaking and what you're putting out in the world. So therefore, it's going to affect you and people are going to speak that way with you as well. So anger is another source of unwholesome gamma, that if we allow that to pollute our decisions, then it's going to cause harm in the world. And then the big one, which is ignorance or delusion or unknowing of true reality. This is causing harm in the world too, because when we don't understand what we don't understand, then we're producing decisions in the world, causing harm in the world, and harm comes back to us. So let's use COVID since that was brought up as an example. What eradicates ignorance is wisdom, the wisdom of the Buddhist teachings. One of the things that the Buddha teaches is that having business or trade and living beings, living beings being animals and humans and things like this, and also having business or trade in meat where we're killing animals or humans in order to sell meat. He taught that this is going to cause harm in the world. And if we do this, harm is going to come to us. 
Well, with this ignorance, this delusion, this unknowing of true reality, what we've been doing all throughout humanity and all throughout the world for many, many, many centuries is we've been growing animals, we've been killing them, and we've been eating them. Or we've been capturing animals in the wild, we've been killing them, and we've been eating them. And because of this harm that we're causing in the world, harm is coming back to us. This is gamma. It's not punishment. It's not a reward. It's just the nature of the way things happen. That as long as we're causing harm in the world as human beings, harm is going to come to us. So that's why we're experiencing COVID-19 is that there were people in China that were functioning in a market and they were killing animals and they were eating animals. But all of us have done that, right? Pretty much everyone has grown up eating meat. So even though it happened in just one place and that's where it originated from, we're all experiencing the results of this. This is our gamma, our collective gamma coming back to us, even though it's our own individual decisions, right? So by learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings to gain wisdom, you will be able to clean up your decisions, but still there's other people in the world making decisions, but we can clean up our decisions and ensure that we're making wise decisions so that we don't get affected by the things that other people do. So the more wisdom that we have, we'll be able to make decisions that are based in wisdom, not in ignorance. As long as we're basing our decisions in either craving, anger, or ignorance, they're causing harm in the world, so therefore harm is going to come to us. And the longer that we do this, and we're not training our mind through these Eightfold Path and these good wholesome teachings, then we're continuing to put harm in the world and harm is going to keep coming back to us on an individual basis. Now, if we look at the wholesome gamma and what creates wholesome gamma are things that we've already been talking about in this class in our previous class. So if the three unwholesome roots are craving anger and ignorance, the three wholesome roots are generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. These are the antidotes that fix and transform the mind so that it now is no longer making decisions through craving and selfish desires, the objects of our affection, but instead we're making decisions based on generosity, giving and sharing. That's what transforms that craving, that selfish desire and constantly chasing pleasant feelings for ourselves we now transform it with generosity and we start making decisions through generosity. Instead of making decisions through anger, hatred, ill will, frustration, irritation, annoyance, blocking people off and pushing them out of our life and being angry and hostile with people, ah, we transform the mind. We start practicing loving kindness through this transformed mind that we develop in meditation and then we practice that in daily life where now we're being loving and kind we have a genuine interest in seeing others be well we're practicing this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment that's what loving kindness is so instead of being aggressive and hostile and i don't like you and get out of my life and why are you causing me problems Ah, now I'm just interested in seeing everyone be peaceful. 
I'm only interested in seeing everyone be well, humans and animals and all beings, and now transforming our decisions and ensuring that they're based in this active goodwill, this genuine interest in all beings being well, this loving kindness. So you can actually catch yourself sometimes in the moment when you feel that anger coming and immediately transform it into loving kindness and figure out how to do that through your intention, speech, and actions. And then the thing that's really driving all of this and moving all of this forward is rather than making decisions through this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality is the more that we learn and practice the Buddhist teachings and we understand this path to enlightenment and how to not cause harm in the world through practicing harmlessness, the more that we learn that and we reflect on it and we practice it to see the truth for ourselves, this wisdom that we're making decisions through, now we start making wiser and wiser choices and we transform that ignorance or delusion or confusion or unknowing of true reality and we start functioning in the world very differently than we did before. So for example, like the Four Noble Truths, before you were on this path, you thought about how you were angry and you might have blamed it on your life partner, your kids, your job, your friends. You might have blamed it on the politicians in the world or the weather. You might have blamed your irritable mood on any number of things. Well, when you awaken to true reality and you eliminate that ignorance and you gain this wisdom of the Four Noble Truths, then you realize that you're actually causing the irritability that the grumpiness is actually being caused by your own craving, your own desire, your own attachment. The mind is uncomfortable with impermanence and change. And the more that you awaken to these Four Noble Truths and you gain that wisdom to see, yes, indeed it is you that is causing all of this discontentedness. Well, now you can transform that through acquiring more and more wisdom. But as long as we remain in ignorance and we go around and we blame everybody else for our discontentedness, then we're making decisions based in ignorance and we're just blaming others for something that we're actually causing ourselves, which is discontentedness. So one of the first things that people do to break through getting away from this ignorance and gaining wisdom is break through to the Four Noble Truths, establish right view where you now understand that it is you that is causing all this discontentedness. And because you're causing it, you can actually eliminate it. And then, okay, you make that breakthrough and you start discovering that more and more. And even though you might know that intellectually, you got to really practice it and ensure that you're practicing it. Well, now you move on to the Eightfold Path and you start diving into that and you start understanding right intention, right speech, right action, and all these other uh, steps on the Eightfold Path, and you start practicing those better and better based on the wisdom of the Buddhist teachings. And now through basing your decisions through this wisdom, you start cleaning up what's going on around you and you start producing only wholesome karma. So this is how you would now arise this wholesome karma is that you would start making decisions through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom that wisdom is coming from the Buddhist teachings and still your free will, still your own personal choices. But the more that you understand the teachings, the more that you can choose what you're going to do in life 
through these three wholesome roots. So let me see if there's any questions on the origination of gamma from the three unwholesome roots and the origination of gamma through the three wholesome roots. And to clarify, David, even as we change our behavior, it still may take time to clean up our karma as effects of the past still arrive today. Yeah, and that's the next thing that I'm going to talk about, and we're going to spend the most time discussing that, is I shared all of this with you so far so that we can really talk about the last thing that I'm going to share with you guys is how do you clean up this mess? Because we've had these countless lives where we've been making all these unwholesome decisions and nothing has led to our enlightenment. And now we're in this life and we're still struggling or you're still struggling with life and making decisions that you are making. And now you've kind of decided to pursue this path and you're learning it more and more. But learning the path and implementing the path and experiencing the results of the path are three completely different things. So what I'm going to talk about next, if there's no more questions, James, is now that you've been struggling for all these countless lives in this life, how do we clean up all of this unwholesome gamma and get to the point where we're only experiencing wholesome gamma and wholesome benefits in our life? Okay, our next question is related to this point, so perhaps we'll save it for after. Okay, so let's go to this. This is the last kind of slide. I don't usually use too many slides because I like to focus on the discussion. I think that's where the better results are. But nowadays we've got technology and it really helps to learn to actually see some slides. So this is the last slide. So we're going to be just be spending the rest of our time in class on this, which is how to eliminate unwholesome gamma. Well, the path that leads to the elimination of unwholesome gamma is the eightfold path. That's right view all the way through right concentration. Right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And remember, meditation is part of right concentration. But to get to enlightenment and to extinguish this unwholesome gamma, it's not just meditation alone. It's this whole practice, this whole life practice. The whole life practice needs to be developed along this path. And essentially what the Buddha is doing through the Eightfold Path is he's helping you to learn, reflect, and practice these teachings that lead to enlightenment so that you as a practitioner are training the mind to only produce wholesome gamma. If there was a way to snap your fingers and instantly be practicing the Eightfold Path to perfection, that's what enlightenment is, is practicing that Eightfold Path to perfection and doing that for an extended period of time. But even if you could snap your fingers and instantly practice the Eightfold Path overnight to perfection, you still have all these unwholesome decisions that you made in the past that you've got to clean up. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So by learning and practicing the Eightfold Path, you're bringing your practice up closer and closer and closer to that ideal practice of the Eightfold Path. And as you do, as you're making your way up, you're going to take three, four, five, six, eight, ten steps forward and two or three back. And then you're going to take three steps forward and one back. And you're going to take five steps forward and two back. 
then you're going to take eight steps forward and four back but you're going to keep moving up closer and closer and closer to this ideal practice of the eightfold path where you're practicing right view where you're accepting responsibility for all the decisions that you make you're understanding that it's you that's causing the discontent mind so therefore you can eliminate it you're practicing right intention where you're practicing harmlessness non-ill will you're not interested in harming any other beings you're practicing right speech which is those five factors of well-spoken speech what you say is spoken at the right time what you say is true you speak gently you speak beneficially you speak with a mind of loving kindness without blame then you move to the actions or right actions that you don't cause harm through your bodily actions right livelihood where you ensure that however you sustain your life in terms of income or whatever you do in your life in terms of sustaining your life that you're not causing harm through any of those five wrong livelihoods which are that you would be uh, selling intoxicants that you would be selling living beings that you would be selling meat that you would be selling weapons or that you would be selling poisons if you're doing any of those five wrong livelihoods it's going to produce harm in the world so therefore harm is going to come to you then you move into right effort where you're actively eliminating unwholesome qualities from the mind and arising wholesome qualities taking the effort the active stance to eliminate cut off the unwholesome qualities and arise wholesome qualities right mindfulness awareness of mind that you're ensuring that you're always becoming aware and consciously aware of what's in the mind so that then you can take action upon eliminating the unwholesome and arising the wholesome that you become aware of the bodily sensations the feelings the condition of the mind the mental objects or the mental states that the mind has and then you focus on right concentration which is developing your meditation practice and practicing singleness of mind at all times in your day through putting this together more and more and this sounds like a lot if you're just getting started with the buddhist teachings and it is but you've got the rest of this life to kind of work on this and figure it out and you've got more lives too but hopefully you won't get to that hopefully in a few months and a few years you can start putting all this together learn just like you did that natural law of gravity and the more you learn these teachings and you put them together in your life you will be producing only wholesome karma so the way that you extinguish unwholesome karma is that you first have to work on your own mind to learn reflect and practice these teachings to produce only wholesome karma and by producing only wholesome karma you are shutting down and closing the door on any unwholesome karma production because you're not causing harm in the world so therefore harm is going to be coming back to you less and less and less but what happens in the unenlightened mind is we try to go around and we try to fix everybody else we try to fix our kids and fix our parents and 
fix our siblings and fix our neighbors and fix our coworkers because we think they're the ones with the problem. And we go around and we try to fix this external world because we think it's the external world that has the problem. But in reality, it's our own decisions that are creating certain results in our life. So by focusing on our own decisions through this Eightfold Path, and we produce more and more wholesome decisions in the world, then more and more wholesome things will come back to us because we can't control the outside world. We can't control what our neighbors do. We can't control what our coworkers do. We can't control what our parents or our siblings do. All we can do is control what we do. That's all. That's the only thing we can do. We can guide our children, but we can't control them. So as a conscious individual, what you do is you focus on developing your own life practice through learning and practicing these teachings, producing more and more wholesome decisions through the Eightfold Path. And as you put more and more of these decisions into the world, less and less unwholesome things are going to be coming back to you and more and more wholesome things are going to be coming back to you. So let's just say that it was possible to snap your fingers and instantly practice the Eightfold Path to perfection, which is impossible. But let's just say it was, okay? Even in doing so, you still have things to clean up because you've made decisions in the past with your children, with your life partners, with your parents, your siblings, your coworkers, your neighbors, and other people around you. You've been making decisions unconsciously without awareness of this natural law of gamma for your whole life and you're experiencing the results of those decisions so even if you could snap your fingers right now and instantly practice the eightfold path to perfection you're still going to be dealing with unwholesome results returning to you because you have to burn off all those unwholesome decisions that you made in the past so you're kind of approaching this from two different angles. One thing you're doing is you're cleaning up your own conduct. And that's where the vast majority of the work happens in the first six months to a year of developing your practice is you're just solely focused on learning these teachings, reflecting on them and practicing them and getting better and better at them so that you understand this natural law of gamma better and better coming up closer and closer to the ideal of the Eightfold Path. But as you're doing so, and you're putting more and more wholesome gamma into the world, you're gonna experience that your children are still yelling at you, even though you're not yelling anymore, or your life partner is angry at you, even though you're not angry anymore, and you've let it go, and you've let go of whatever happened three years ago, you've already let it go, but they haven't, right? This is where you have to clean up your gamma. You have to clean up the results of your past decisions. Because in the past, you made a decision to be with this life partner. In the past, you made a decision to guide your children in a certain way and function around your children in a certain way. And now, even though you are dedicated to cleaning up your conduct, and even though you're producing more and more wholesome gamma, the people around you are still looking at you as that person that you were six months ago or a year or two years ago. 
So we've essentially conditioned our life partner's mind or we've conditioned our children's mind that we yell. And when you don't like something, you yell, you holler, you get angry, you get frustrated. And now because we've been doing that perhaps for three years or six years or 10 years, just because you've decided to improve your conduct, they are not improving theirs because you haven't given them the example of how to do that. What your children or your life partner or your coworker, your friends, your family learned from you is that when you're angry, you're going to speak harsh and aggressive and with a mind of perhaps hatred or irritation. And it's going to take you six months, a year, two years, three years of coming up to this ideal practice of the Eightfold Path, producing only wholesome results and making one wise decision after another to treat people around you with politeness, kindness, friendliness, respectfulness, practicing all those teachings of the Buddha so that your children and your life partner and your parents and your siblings and your co-workers and your neighbors start seeing a difference in you. And when they start seeing a difference in you that you're not causing harm in the world, then slowly they will choose to change their mind as well. This is where if you focus on your own practice, the people around you can't help but change. It's kind of like a log jam. If everything's jammed up in a log jam and you pull out a log, all the other logs are going to shift. So when you pull out that you start speaking at the right time and never interrupting people and you pull that out, now the logs are going to shift and more and more people around you aren't going to be interrupting you. When you start saying the truth and speaking the truth all the time and you pull that log out and you do that for six months, a year, two years, more and more people around you are going to shift and they're only going to be speaking the truth with you because that's all you do. When you take out that harsh speech and you only speak gently, now all the logs are going to shift and your children, your life partner, your colleagues, your friends, your family are only going to speak to you gently because that's the way you're speaking with them. When you speak beneficially, with benefit and purpose, without frivolous speech, and you take that log and you pull it out, everyone's going to shift around you. When you start speaking with loving kindness, without inner hate or without anger, you pull that log of inner hate and hatred out or anger out, and you're only speaking with loving kindness, now everything starts shifting around you. And now, as you've done this, you can start actively talking to your children or talking to your life partner because you've got six months, a year, two years of practice underway. They've already seen all these shifts in you. And now when you go in and you say, honey, I noticed you spoke to me a little bit harshly yesterday. And I thought that maybe that's something that we can clean up in our relationship, that we start speaking to each other kindly. Well, if you've got six months, a year into doing this and you go in and you talk with your partner about this, well, they're more receptive to you. But if just last week you were yelling and hollering at them up, down, backwards and forwards, and now you try to go in and have this conversation with them, it's probably not going to go very far. 
Or if you tried to do this with your children, if you were just yelling and screaming and hollering at your children yesterday and you say, okay, children, we're going to start being nice and kind and polite to each other. And this is something that we need to start doing right now. Well, it's probably not going to go over too well because people would be looking at you as like, you know, they can't even control their mind. How do they expect me to control my mind? So what you do in terms of cleaning up your karma is you focus on your own practice first. You don't even have to tell people that you're doing it. You just learn, you reflect, you practice, you improve your wisdom, your moral conduct, and your mental discipline. And when you clean up your own practice, then after you get some success under your belt and you feel like you're getting your feet under you, so to speak, right? You're starting to walk, you're starting to understand this natural law of gravity a bit better. Well, now that you're starting to walk, now you can kind of have a leg to stand on and you can talk to your life partner, you can talk to your children and other people selectively because you now practicing right speech a bit more and you can maybe involve your family in learning and practicing these teachings too, if they choose, it's up to them. But even if they choose not to learn and practice these teachings, just by you changing your conduct and you changing your mental discipline with this wisdom of the Buddhist teachings, you will see that everyone else will start shifting around you just like this log jam. So you'll start cleaning up your gamma more and more and more, and you've got to kind of burn off all of these unwholesome decisions that you made by producing only wholesome decisions, and more and more you'll burn off all the unwholesome ones that you made in the past and your life will slowly get cleaned up. Your mind in the meantime is getting better and better trained through breathing mindfulness meditation, through generosity, through all these other teachings with loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness. Your mind is becoming more and more protected. So you get six months, a year, two years into this, even if someone chooses to be disrespectful to you, your mind will start noticing that that's them being disrespectful, that you've been respectful to them for the last six months or a year or two years, and you haven't caused any harm to them, but yet they're still choosing to be disrespectful and impolite. You will no longer take it personally as if they're doing something to you, because if you've realized non-self, you know there's no you there. They're not being disrespectful to you, it's just that they're lacking wisdom, they're lacking moral conduct, and they're lacking mental discipline, and they are choosing to be impolite, and they're choosing to be disrespectful. But you don't have to choose to be impolite and disrespectful back. With more wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline, you can choose to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, and not react back with impolite, disrespectful speech. You can choose to respond politely, kindly, friendly, and respectfully if you choose. And by doing that, this will over time extinguish your unwholesome gamma because the more and more people that are being disrespectful or uncalm or however they're being around you, you're choosing to not react negatively back. And on this path, in terms of cleaning up your gamma, 
there may be people that you choose to stop associating with. And that's normal too, as part of cleaning up your gamma. There may be certain people that have been associates or kind of surface level friends that now that you've cleaned up your wisdom, moral conduct and mental discipline, and you see over time that they're not doing the same, you might choose to just kind of distance yourself from them still with loving kindness, still with compassion, without judging them, but just choosing to no longer include that person in your life. And that's part of cleaning up your gamma as well. But people like your life partner or your children or your parents or your siblings, these are people that are part of your life and will probably remain part of your life for the rest of your life. So with these people, you're going to take more time, you're going to be more patient, you're going to have to work at this that you are cleaning up your gamma first improving your wisdom moral conduct and mental discipline and then see how all the logs start shifting and then six months a year into this after things start shifting then that's where you can have some selective conversations to kind of help people along the way and some of you guys have already shared with me personally some little 30 seconds or two minute kind of sound bites that you've given to some of your children or life partners that have helped them and have helped you as well. And this is part of cleaning up your gamma because if you haven't really had the wisdom in the past to guide your children how to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful, then them being disrespectful to you is your gamma. As hard as that is to maybe hear is that if your children are impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful to you, this is your gamma. And it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong, necessarily. It doesn't mean that you're being punished. It just means that you lacked the wisdom in the past to guide them in developing their life practice. But now, if they're 12 or 16 or 20, and you're noticing that their life practice is kind of pretty far astray from this path that is a result of your parenting but it's okay it's impermanent you can improve that by you improving your wisdom your moral conduct and your mental discipline now you'll be in a position where you do have the wisdom and you can guide them and you can help them it's never too late and you can improve your practice and thus help them as well And this is part of cleaning up your gamma. So let me stop here and just open up the rest of the remaining time that we have to any questions that you guys have related to any of these teachings about gamma. It seems, David, that a major element of this is that this does take time and it takes work and patience like other parts of the path and that we shouldn't cling to immediate results, essentially. Absolutely. Everything's happening through gradual training gradual practice and gradual progress there's no magic pill this is one of the the common questions that i always get is david how do i get rid of stress or david my mind's really busy how do i fix it right now right like you know i was in meditation and i got bombarded with all these thoughts how do i stop it i don't want that to happen again well it's just continuing to learn continuing to practice it's this eightfold path it's gradual training gradual practice and gradual progress nothing's happening fast or abruptly it's all going to gradually happen just like when you wake up in the morning 
when you wake up in the morning, it's a good 30 minute, one hour process, maybe even longer, right? You don't just pop out of bed, put your feet on the ground and bolt out the door. The physical body is slowly kind of waking up. The mind is slowly waking up. You kind of roll around, you kind of rub your eyes, you kind of come to, and you gradually get out of bed in the morning and you gradually wake up. Well, waking up to enlightenment is exactly the same way. You're gradually waking up to enlightenment, just like you wake up in the morning. Thanks, David. We have a question from Manal now. Hi, teacher David. Hello, Manal. Nice to see you. Okay, I have a question on the uh, various kamas. I understand from a previous class, uh, old kama is what essentially is brought from your previous life. New kama is the consciousness that enters. And unwholesome kama is basically the craving, desire, attachments in your new life that formulate. So my question is about how, um, if you're training, if you're progressing on a path and um, acquiring wisdom and um, eliminating the uh, unknowing of true reality, uh, would you be helping all those kamas or would one be more um, attached to you in a sense to the consciousness and would it be more difficult to eradicate one over the other so what you're doing on this path is you're eliminating all your unwholesome kama and producing only wholesome kama and that means your new kama is going to be more and more wholesome because new kama is the kama that you're making right now. So you're making new kama wholesome. All wholesome kama is your new kama. That's what you're working on doing on this path. Your old kama from the past, there has been some wholesome kama there, but it's been tainted with some unwholesome kama. So let me just say what you said again. The old kama is all your decisions in the past of things that you've made decisions on in the past. New gamma is any decisions you're making right now. That's your new gamma. Unwholesome gamma is from craving anger and ignorance, right? It's craving anger and ignorance that is causing unwholesome gamma. Wholesome gamma is through generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. So you're increasing your generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom on this path, and you're decreasing your craving, anger, and ignorance. And you're doing that in the present moment so that your new gamma is as more and more and more wholesome as possible. We have a question from Holly now, David. If experiencing our past unwholesome gamma creates discontentedness, won't that create more unwholesome karma to be experienced? How can we live and not be affected when bad things happen to us because of unwholesome karma from either this life or a past life? Should we see it as past karma and just be okay with it? Will we eventually reach a place where we no longer have unwholesome karma happening to us? Okay, this is an excellent question. I'm going to try to explain it because no one's ever asked this before, but this is crucial to understand. So before you made all these decisions and a little bit of wholesomeness, 
lot of unwholesomeness we were all making. And now, boom, we're on this path and we're starting to produce more and more wholesome karma. And we're starting to gain this wisdom of how to produce more and more wholesome karma. But as we're doing that, unwholesome karma is coming back to us still. We're still experiencing the results of those past decisions. And what you're doing is you're using the wisdom of this path to now handle those past decisions differently than you would have in the past. And now through handling them differently, you're extinguishing your unwholesome gamma. Let me give an example of this to bring it into real life. I know Holly has kids and I have kids and a lot of you guys have kids. So let me use kids as an example. But you can also relate this to life partners or parents or siblings as well. Let's say in the past you were rough and harsh with your children, your siblings, your life partner, what have you, and you spoke in an unwholesome way. Well, now you're choosing to speak differently to them and you start practicing these good, wholesome teachings and you're learning them more and more and you're getting better and better at that. But now they're still talking to you aggressively, disrespectfully, impolitely. Well, now you have a choice to make. Do you continue to speak to them impolite and disrespectful, which is just going to keep this rubber ball bouncing around because you're creating unwholesome gamma? They're going to keep speaking to you in a disrespectful way because you're speaking to them disrespectfully. Or now that you know these teachings, even when your children are speaking to you disrespectfully, do you put a brakes on that and choose not to speak to them disrespectfully? And that might mean that in that moment, if frustration arises, that you hear them speaking disrespectfully, that you just say nothing. And that might be the solution in that instance to say nothing because you know it's not the right time to speak because you're frustrated. Three hours go by, three days go by. Now maybe you circle back when the mind's more calm and you talk to your son or your daughter and you help them know that, okay, mom's choosing not to speak with you like this anymore. And I would appreciate if you choose to not speak with me that way as well. So as your unwholesome gamma is coming back to you, you need to make wiser and wiser choices to extinguish this and no longer do things the way that we did in the past. If we continue to function with craving anger and ignorance, our children are disrespectful to us, so we're disrespectful to them. Our life partner is rude and harsh to us, so we're rude and harsh right back to them. This is like taking the rubber ball and just keeping it bouncing in the room and it just keeps bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and it never stops and becomes calm and peaceful and stays still in the middle of the room. So when somebody throws the rubber ball, this disrespectful, impolite, harshness, unkind speech, what you do is you don't pick up the ball. You don't pick that ball up and throw it. You either say nothing or you just walk away, or you be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful back, whatever you're able to do in that moment. But there's one thing that you have to choose not to do, and that is be disrespectful and impolite back. Because if you do that, it's just going to keep this rubber ball bouncing because you haven't extinguished your unwholesome gamma. The more that you put harm into the world, the more harm is going to come back to you. 
So if you chose to be impolite and disrespectful back in that moment, your new kama is unwholesome. You're creating kama in that moment that is unwholesome because even though this person is being disrespectful to you, you're choosing to be disrespectful to them. So you've got to turn off the floodgates. You've got to close this valve of unwholesome kama. You've got to put the brakes on this unwholesome kama and only produce wholesome kama more and more and more. And as you do, then you can reverse all of this and you can have these conversations with your children or your life partner or other people and let them know that you're choosing to no longer function that way. And you might even apologize to them for the things that you've said in the past and that you haven't really led them properly. This is what I had to experience when I ramped up on these teachings. My wife was, for a year and a half or so, still unkind to me in certain situations, putting it nicely. She was unkind to me. And there were times where I just stood there and I let her yell and I let her scream and I just closed my eyes and I stood there holding my hand and I just focused on the breath and I just let her yell and yell and yell and I let her get it all out. And then I opened my eyes and I said, okay, I understand and I just walked away. Or sometimes I just walked away. And then I just let her sit there with that. And then the next time she did it, I would do the same thing. I would just let her yell and yell and yell. And then I walked away, right? That's not what I used to do in the past. In the past, I'd be right there with her yelling and screaming and hollering, rolling up my sleeves, maybe even throwing things. You know, one time I took a cell phone about six years ago and threw it on the floor and broke it. And I was so angry but I chose to do something differently. Several years ago, when I started practicing these teachings closely, I changed my behavior. And when she yelled at me, I just remained quiet. And then over time, as I noticed her yelling got less and less fierce, less and less angry, it started to soften a bit, it started to extinguish, then I was able to go back in and kind of talk to her calmly and politely in, when her mind was in a different situation, not when she was upset, but a few hours later or a few days later, I would go back and talk to her. And I would say, I call her mom or mommy because that's what my son calls her. I say, mommy, I've decided to no longer yell and be angry. And she's like, yeah, I can see. I was like, okay. So we had our talks and we had many talks. It took us a year and a half, two years to get to the point where she's now pretty much exhausted all of that. And very rarely will she kind of spark up and say anything in kind of a rough or, or harsh way. Very, very rarely. And when she does, it's over with very quickly. So she knows she's working on her own practice and extinguishing that. But had I not took the first step and removed that log, then things wouldn't have started shifting. And when she was still yelling at me, and if I would have yelled back and been angered back, none of this would have worked, that our family, everything's been cooled down. We had these three fires burning. We had this fire of craving with me, my son, my wife, burning this fire of anger and hatred and ill will, burning. We had this fire of ignorance and unknowing of true reality, burning amongst all three of us. And it's not until somebody chooses to start extinguishing this and cooling it down 
that all the other members of the family can start cooling it down as well. So as this unwholesome game is coming back to you, Holly, you've got to choose to do something differently. And that difference is up to you in your free will and based on the condition of your mind in that moment. But what you don't want to do is continue to produce unwholesome gamma as new gamma. You don't want your new gamma to be unwholesome. You want it to be wholesome. So if saying nothing is the best thing to do in that case, sometimes that's the best decision. No decision means that there's no gamma whatsoever, right? So just walking away like I did with my wife, it didn't produce any gamma for me whatsoever because I didn't do anything harmful, right? So it didn't produce anything harmful. So it produced good results. So you've got to now handle all these situations one by one by one, like unraveling a ball of twine. You've got to handle it differently than you did in the past. And when you handle these differently over six months, a year, two years, people will start functioning around you very differently than they did in the past because they notice every time they yell at Holly, Holly does nothing in return. So therefore, over time, they will eventually stop doing that. I don't know that anybody's yelling at you, but just as an example. So every time that you choose to do something differently where you're not putting harm in the world, then that's a wholesome decision where you're not putting harm in the world. So therefore, you're extinguishing this unwholesome gamma and handling each situation very differently than you did in the past. I suppose this also highlights the benefits of breathing mindfulness meditation because one can have an impulse to react when someone's treating us unkindly, but by learning to let go of that impulse, we can discontinue the creation of negative karma, essentially. Yes. So what's happening in the unenlightened state when we're off this path is the mind is just running through life, unaware what's going on. It's got this fire of craving, anger, and ignorance burning strong, and it's just running through life, plowing down the trees and leaving fires behind it, right? Well, what we're doing with breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and learning this path is we've got this kind of parallel process running alongside of the mind or walking alongside of the mind. And we're trying to walk this breathing mindfulness meditation and this loving kindness meditation, this practice of the Eightfold Path and all the other teachings, generosity, loving kindness and wisdom. We're trying to walk this up slowly but surely and kind of envelop and penetrate and permeate the mind where it's now kind of caught up to this three fires and you're extinguishing and have extinguished your three fires. So at the same time that you're learning these teachings, you're implementing these teachings and you're slowly ramping up your wholesome decisions more and more and more, which includes dedicating time to meditation and you're ramping down your unwholesome decisions more and more and more, putting out those three fires antidoting those three poisons, uprooting those three unwholesome roots and replacing it with these three wholesome roots. And as you're doing that, bringing down the unwholesome and ramping up the wholesome, your mind, the stability, the concentration, the clarity, the protection of your mind becomes more and more stable and you become less and less affected by what's going on around you. So you become more capable of handling it when your life partner yells at you 
or you become more capable of when your child is being impolite to you, that you don't take it personal, that you just see it as a lack of their wisdom, their moral conduct, and their mental discipline. And you see it as, okay, this is my gamma coming back to me because I didn't have the wisdom to teach them when they were growing up as a child. So let me not get angry at myself for not having the wisdom. Let me instead realize that I've got the wisdom now, even though they're 15 years old, I've got the wisdom now, so let me just take a few hours or a few days, sit on this, think about it, and then I'll re-engage with them very calmly and peacefully and give them the wisdom to understand that they shouldn't be speaking to anybody this way, particularly their mom or their dad. And I will educate them calmly and peacefully rather than what I used to do in the past when they were disrespectful. I used to yell at them. And I used to punish them and I used to give them restrictions and I used to do bad things, maybe even hit them. Some parents still hit their children, right? And if that's what you were doing in the past, that's what's led to where you are now. So now you got to do things differently and you'll be able to do that better when you've got breathing mindfulness meditation on board and you're practicing generosity. When you've got loving kindness meditation on board and you're practicing loving kindness and when you've got these classes and the support of a teacher and all these resources to gain wisdom you can antidote this ignorance and now you'll start functioning in the world very differently than you did before and that's just going to take time for you to transform all that because all of those learned behaviors that you grew up with as you learned from your parents As you grew up and your parents conditioned your mind to parent in a certain way, you're unraveling all that and you're breaking this cycle of this conditioning that you've been exposed to in the past and now you're basing your current decisions, creating this new gamma, you're basing those new decisions in generosity, loving kindness and wisdom rather than craving anger and ignorance because craving is I want my children to be a certain way and they've got to do it my way and I'm going to force them to do it my way and if they do it my way I feel pleasure and if they don't do it my way I feel pain and then if they don't do it my way I'm going to feel anger and hostile I'm going to punish them and I'm going to do things to them yelling and hollering and be hostile and where is this coming from ignorance right this is how we grew up for some of us and that's why we've become our parents we've become the same way as our parents maybe a lesser version but our conditioning of our mind our perspective of how to parent our children or how to have a life partner has come from the conditioning of our parents and the experiences that we've had around us. Well, now you're unraveling that and you're antidoting that and you're changing your behaviors through the Buddhist teachings, which is based on the natural laws of existence. And that's going to take time. You know, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, you've been this way your whole life. It's going to take you time to unravel this and build up your life practice with meditation, with this three wholesome roots and all the other teachings that we didn't get when we were children. One of the things that we know through kind of the way that we think about Asia for all of us in the West is we think about Asia as a pretty calm and peaceful place. I think most of us have kind of come to that thought about places like Korea and Japan and 
you know, maybe the Philippines and Vietnam and Thailand and Cambodia. There's certainly things that are going on in Asia that are not wholesome, right? But as a generalization, we might think of kind of Asia as kind of like this place that's kind of quiet and it's kind of peaceful. Well, that's because these teachings are permeating throughout Asia and things happen here very differently than they do in the West. In the West, if you don't get your way, we tend to be boisterous and angry and fearful. And until somebody submits and gives us what we want, we keep being more and more angry and hostile. Well, in Asia, that doesn't work. And that's not how people function here. And it really doesn't actually work in Western culture either, because the more aggressive and angry you are, the more aggressiveness and anger that comes back to you. And it just keeps this cycle going on and on and on. It's not until you calm the mind and become more still and more quieted with wisdom that you can actually wisely make decisions and experience this peaceful, calm life of wisely making decisions and improving the results that you experience in your life. We have a question from Sarah. For me, it is still difficult to really understand rebirth and the existence of previous lives. Therefore, it is hard for me to understand how deeds from previous lives can affect the current life. At the moment, is it something, it is something I only can believe. How should I deal with this at the moment? Should I take it as a hypothesis and hope I'll understand later? Is there anything which can help me in understanding this? What I suggest for people at this stage of being in chapter nine of this book is set the whole cycle of rebirth thing to the side. In fact, the rewrite of this book that I'm working on now, I took out at the very beginning where I put information about the cycle of rebirth. I took that out entirely. It's not until chapter 20 that we get into the cycle of rebirth. So just put aside the cycle of rebirth for now. We're going to be exploring it in chapter 20. And then we're going to be exploring it a whole lot more in the Pali Canon and English study group where we're studying the words of the Buddha. And there we get much deeper into it. You shouldn't believe the cycle of rebirth. So don't believe it. Just know that it's something that you haven't approached yet. Just like next week is the topic of merit. You haven't learned about merit yet. You're putting that off until next week because it hasn't come up for you yet. The cycle of rebirth is a topic that you can just put in the future and know that it's something that you're going to get to and that you're going to learn and that all these teachings in one way are referencing that like gamma here. But just know that you shouldn't believe it. And it's something that you'll address later because what happened in the past in terms of your previous births, it doesn't really matter. They're in the past. What may or may not happen in the future, it doesn't really matter because it's in the future. The fact is right now in this present moment, the mind's discontent and you're interested in improving that and you're interested in this present moment to learn about wholesome karma and unwholesome karma and producing only wholesome karma in this moment. And the more that you do that, this whole cycle of rebirth thing will get solved. But in terms of understanding the cycle of rebirth, you can understand it later when it's time to do that. Right now isn't the best time to try to unravel that. So I suggest you just set it to the side for now, but still don't believe it. Don't ever believe anything that I teach you or that anyone else teaches you. Wait until it's the right time 
And then when it's the right time, we look at it, we study it, and then you spend time with it, reflect on it, practice, and then more and more you will discover the truth on it. But right now is just not the right time, I would say. I think that's certainly a point of the teachings that especially people coming from the West may have a hard time with. And I think for me, it's just something that worth considering that if the Buddha was right about all of this, which we know that he is because we see it affect our lives, that it's very likely he would be right about rebirth too. <laughs> yeah, so with rebirth, it's 100% correct. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the cycle of rebirth is true, it's real, that we are reborn countless times. We've been taught that we only get one life. That's what we've been taught. And you believe it because that's what you've been taught. But you don't have any evidence that you only have one life. The fact that the vast majority of the world doesn't remember their past lives leads them to believe that they only get one life. But you're still actually believing that you only get one life because you have no evidence to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you only get one life other than the fact that you can't remember your past lives. Well, as you learn this core path and you awaken the mind, you may actually observe your past lives. And that's why I tell people don't even focus on the cycle of rebirth because that might actually get sorted out on its own. The more awakened your mind becomes, the more you stick to the core path, you might actually start having residual memories of your past lives. And if you do, then you'll know that those existed and you'll have the proof for yourself. And there's a, a fair amount of people that have had that experience where they've observed their past lives. And that's how people get to the point where they know with 100% certainty that it's real, is if you've observed your past lives, you will know that the cycle of rebirth is 100% truth. But people are believing that they only get one life. We don't have any evidence that proves that we actually get one life other than the fact that you just don't remember your past lives at this point in time. Thanks. Let's go to Gloria now, who has her hand raised. So I wanted to um, speak about um, Sarah's uh, question. I was raised Catholic, and um, so that's Christian, and so um, that's not part of our teachings. Uh, however, for me, um, it's like a teacher, David was saying, we don't have like the science right now that would tell us, or maybe they are on the way, but um, that we have past lives. But ho however, in my experience, what I would like to, to say is, um, I just, it, for me, it's just to feel it in, in deep inside me. It's just, I need to feel it. It feels like it's true. Um, so in my experience, um, I started to believe, or, yeah, to believe because science would not, would not prove it yet, but I feel, um, uh, my, what I feel is very firm that we, that there is such thing as re reincarnation. So, and that's my experience um, as a person that was raised um, Catholic Christian. Um, so hopefully we'll get to, uh, I am, like the science is going to confirm and maybe right now there are studies uh, that are underway. But um, that I just wanted to share my experience in that regard as a person that was raised Christian. 
Sure. Thank you, Gloria. Sure. I, pre I appreciate that. And since you brought up Christianity and Catholicism, I'll share this with you, is that I had come into information that showed that Christianity had teachings of rebirth up until the year 543 AD that there was a pope which in 543 AD the only Christian church that was really the primary church was the Catholic Church that was being persuaded by a king to remove the cycle of rebirth out of Christian teachings and this pope wouldn't do it so a king actually had him jailed and he was in jail and sat in jail for two years and it wasn't until he was there for that length of time that he finally relented and took the teachings of the cycle of rebirth out of the christian teachings and you can go on the internet and you can see this about the story and it makes complete sense if you think about it because jesus christ himself said i will come again that's rebirth that's the cycle of rebirth. That is, I will be reborn again. I will come again. Jesus said it himself, and we've got that in the Bible, but we don't have the other teachings related to the cycle of rebirth. So what people have been taught for the last 1,500 years is we only get one life, and that's been primarily through the Christian teachings. But because of impermanence and the changes, particularly this pope being jailed, it looks like that the cycle of rebirth was taken out of the Christian teachings because if we look at what Jesus said, he actually said, I will come again. And he understood the cycle of rebirth, but just what we received now, 2,000 years later, wasn't necessarily exactly what Jesus taught. We know that from what Jesus taught to what's in the Bible has been changed for sure because of impermanence. We know the universal truth of impermanence. So we know that anything that is in the Bible has been changed for sure. But we do know that Jesus said, I will come again. So that's something to keep in mind for any of us who have been brought up through Christian teachings that you can go look at that if you'd like on the internet about this incident that happened with the Pope in 543 AD. And you can also look at Jesus's words where he said, I will come again, which is rebirth. The other thing you can look at is you can look at if you've ever felt deja vu and you've like, oh, I've experienced this before. But you know it wasn't in this life that you experienced that before. If you've ever experienced deja vu and it's like, whoa, this situation has happened to me before, I can feel it. That is the residual memories that are from your previous lives that are in the mind and you're experiencing what we call deja vu. What I would call that is you're recalling past lives and you experience, wow, this happened to me before. I know it did because this feels way too familiar to me to have been the first time I ever experienced this. So when you start talking with somebody who really understands the cycle of rebirth and you speak on a personal level, I bet I could ask all of you a series of several questions and you've probably had encounters where you have been recalling past lives and not even realizing that you've been doing it. And if you talked with somebody and we kind of walked you through a few questions, you'll probably find situations like this, like what we call deja vu, that it's like, oh, wow, that looks like residual memories of a past life. So 
There's much more evidence that exists in the world about the cycle of rebirth being true than there is that we just get one life. But because people have been taught that they only get one life and they're believing it, it's part of that unknowing of true reality or part of that ignorance that ultimately you can eradicate. But it's something that I would suggest that you kind of focus on in the future because you have a lot of other teachings to ramp up on. And then ramping up on these core teachings, your mind might actually get so awakened that you do actually observe your past lives. And that will essentially convince you more than anything when you start having your own personal experiences of past lives. We have a question from Holly now. If I do something that harms someone, but my actions were not intentional, how can I overcome my own discontentedness that comes with the situation? My mind is not yet trained to not feel bad when I accidentally caused harm to someone. Yeah, because your practice just isn't there yet, Holly. And that discontentedness that you're experiencing, that is part of your karma. That's part of the unwholesome karma coming back to you. So even though you didn't have the intention to harm, this is why our intention, speech, and actions have to be in sync. Maybe you were practicing harmlessness, but your bodily action or your speech was harmful, even though you didn't have it in the mind to be harmful. But the way your speech came out, it wasn't in sync with your intentions, so it did cause harm. And now you feel guilty or shameful because of it. That's actually part of your unwholesome karma. When your intentions, your speech, and your actions are all in sync, and you've ramped up to this ideal practice of the Eightfold Path, and you're doing that consistently over a long period of time, then you will know that your intention, speech, and actions are purified. You will know that you're no longer causing harm in the world, and you will no longer experience any guilt or shame or fear as a result of your intention, speech, and actions because you now have purified those. So just use this discontentedness, this guilt or shame or fear, whatever is coming to the mind, any discontentedness, use it as motivation to say, okay, I've still got more work to do here. Gradual training, gradual practice, and gradual progress. So you just keep staying dedicated to learning and practicing the Eightfold Path because there's nothing that you can just snap your fingers and fix your intention, speech, and actions instantly. It's a matter of gradually ramping up more and more and more. And then even if you could snap your fingers and get to the ideal Eightfold Path, you still have work to do to clean up the unwholesome gamma. So you've got months and years at progressing on this path, but slowly but surely, this discontentedness will be decreased and diminish more and more and more. And you've already been experiencing that in your life, but you're just not there yet. It's just gradual training, gradual practice, gradual progress. And as you ramp this up more and more, you'll see a gradual decreasing of this. And just use the discontentedness as motivation to say, okay, I'm not there yet. And I see this gamma coming back to me because I was harmful in my speech and my actions. Yep, there's the discontentedness. Now I got to deal with it, right? Now I've got to cut that off. I got to stay dedicated to the practice and get better and better as I go forward. So a major part of our comment is essentially the psychological consequences of our actions, such as guilt and things of this nature. It's not simply actions that come back to us, but the way that we feel essentially. 
Exactly. So when you get up and running on this path and you start understanding these teachings really well, you might end up going for six months, a year where you're kind of like even maybe two years where you're quietly frustrated, where you have enough wisdom to know that it's unwise for you to speak in a harmful way. And it's unwise for you to do bodily actions that cause harm to other people. And you know that, but quietly you're still frustrated and you still have discontentedness, but overtly you're not doing anything overtly to cause harm to others. You're just dealing with this discontentedness that's in the mind. That's better than where you maybe were a couple of years ago, where you were maybe shouting and yelling and causing harm through your bodily actions. So you're going to go through a period of time where you're probably quietly discontent, quietly frustrated, but at least you're not causing harm to others. You just have to kind of extinguish this ickiness and this discontentedness that's lingering in the mind. And this is better than being overtly harmful. And that's going to slowly amount to and accumulate to discontentedness diminishing more and more and more in the mind. One of the things, because Christianity has come up a lot in this conversation in our class today, is one of the things that we get in some communities of Christianity is there's kind of like, here's all the teachings. You need to believe all those teachings. And now we're going to click our fingers and you got to instantly do all that stuff. Well, that's not how any of this works whatsoever. But if your mind has been conditioned that way, that if you've been involved in communities where it's like, here's everything that we know, here's all the teachings, and now we're going to click the fingers and instantly you've got to be performing that. That's not the way that these teachings work. And that's why judgment isn't part of these teachings whatsoever. You're not being judged on anything by me or anyone else. Instead, what you've got here is a slowly ramping up of these wholesome qualities and the slowly ramping down of unwholesome qualities. In the progress of you doing that, it's an independent practice that everybody's progressing at their own pace. And that's one of the beauties in this practice is that there's no pressure from anybody for you to be a certain way today, right? It's all about gradual training, gradual practice and gradual progress. So if your mind's been conditioned to snap the fingers and get instant results, that's not the way any of this works. But oftentimes because we've been conditioned that way in other traditions or the mind's been conditioned that way in regards to like taking a pill and I should instantly get rid of my headache, then that's going to make you think that there should be some teaching or some meditation that you should instantly be able to do and instantly get results. This is craving, right? Even that headache medicine that we take, it's not instant results. You know, it takes 30 minutes, an hour, two hours to get rid of your headache. It's a gradual progress, right? So all of these teachings, you got to get really comfortable with patience, patience, patience. Nothing happens quickly in changing the condition of the mind. And if you think about all the countless decisions and all the countless lives that we've had, the Buddha talks about just countless lives, eons, millions and millions of years. Okay, well, let's just say you get enlightened in the next five years or the next 10 years. That sounds like probably an eternity to you, the next 10 years that you might get enlightened. 
But to me, that's like lightning fast, 10 years in terms of like all the other uh, lives that we've had. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take you 10 years to get enlightened. It might be two years. It might be four years. It might be six years. But even if it is 10 years, that's lightning fast compared to all the millions and millions of lives that we've already lived. So one of the things that you've got to get really, really comfortable with is patience. And if you ever come to Thailand and you see how things work here, everything moves very slowly. And it happens that way for a reason, because when you move slow, you can actually make wiser decisions. What we're used to in Western culture is go, 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 go. Decision, results, decisions, results, decisions, results, right? We just want that results. We've got that craving. That's why that economy in America moves so fast, right? It's just go, 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 go. Craving, decisions, decisions, results. But that's what's kind of the problem is because people are unconsciously making all these decisions so quickly and so rapidly and all these results are firing back so quickly, everybody's head is spinning and stressed out with anxiety. So we've got to slow down, slow down and slow down and just make decisions one at a time and make them very wisely, make them very consciously and therefore they're going to have wholesome results because they're going to be wholesome decisions. But if we just blow through a whole bunch of decisions, some of them are going to be wholesome and some of them are going to be unwholesome. And we're still cleaning up unwholesome karma as long as we're producing unwholesome karma. As long as we're producing unwholesome results, we're going to be cleaning up this stuff. We've got a mess on aisle four. We got to clean that up. We're not even done with aisle four. We got to get to aisle six and clean aisle six. So by slowing things down, we can make wise decision after wise decision, which is going to produce only wholesome results, and we won't be cleaning up anything because we're only producing wholesome results. There's nothing to clean up. We're just cleaning up all the stuff we did before. And once we clean all that up, if we're continuing to produce wholesome decisions, then we're going to get wholesome results and we don't have to keep dealing with this mess and cleaning things up. We have a question from Mercia. If a thought is unwholesome, but there's no wrong speech or action, would the comma be less as there has been no harm? Yes. If there's no overt harm to other beings, the resulting kame is going to be less. So that's what I was talking about as being quietly frustrated. Keeping with the children, your children are disrespectful or impolite to you and you just say nothing and you're just quiet. You still might experience some frustration and irritation inside, but you haven't put out anything harmful so therefore you've reduced the harm in the world. So therefore there's less harm for you to deal with coming back to you. So it's better to be quietly frustrated than overtly angry and hostile. Because once you start causing harm to other beings, now the amount of unwholesome karma that you have to deal with is much more significant. So you're just kind of kind of putting a blanket on the fire and just kind of trying to keep it within you. And then you just keep squashing it and squashing it and squashing it more and more and more until eventually you extinguish it. Thanks, David. That seems to be all the questions we have for today. All right. Well, this was definitely a very interesting conversation and I appreciate all of you guys for participating. All of the questions that you guys asked, all of the 
thoughts and reflections that you're having, even if you didn't ask any questions, you're just attentively listening and being alert and learning from other people's questions. All of this is good, wholesome decisions. Learning and reflecting on the teachings and practicing the teachings, this is all leading to more and more wholesomeness. By you picking up the book and reading each day, by you choosing to meditate each day, by you choosing to attend these classes, these are all wholesome decisions because you're gaining more and more wisdom to now unlock this logjam and go about your daily life and conduct yourself very differently than you did before. So this path is the answer to eliminating and extinguishing all your unwholesome karma through only producing wholesome karma. So this is why you can't drag somebody or force somebody to attain enlightenment because you have to choose to show up to these classes regularly. You have to choose to pick up your book. You have to choose to meditate. You have to choose to have right speech. You have to choose to have right action. You have to choose to do all these things. And that's why we can't force our children or force our life partner to become enlightened because it's their choices. Like the Buddha said, you are the owner and heir of your own karma. It's only your decisions. We can't make decisions for other people to produce beneficial results for them. So your decisions to learn and reflect and practice these teachings, your decisions to ask questions, your decisions to learn from other people's questions, your decisions to interact with your teacher personally or privately, your decisions to go off in the world and practice harmlessness. Always be interested in not causing harm to other beings because by not causing harm to other beings, then you're not producing unwholesome karma. And also don't cause harm to your own physical body and your own mind. If we take substances that cause heedlessness, this is an unwholesome decision because if we're drinking a bunch of alcohol, it's damaging and causing harm to our body. If we're snorting cocaine, if we're taking psychedelic substances, this is causing harm to the body and the mind. And that's why we experience harmful results. So if we cause harm to other beings, including this being right here, your own body, if you choose to eat unhealthy, if you choose to put unhealthy substances in your body, it's going to produce certain results. So wherever you can, you just look for wholesome decisions where you're not causing harm to any beings around you, including this own being right here. So the decisions that you're making to do breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, learn these teachings, these are all wholesome decisions that are leading you towards the light, leading you towards enlightenment. The more decisions you make in that direction, and you've just got to accumulate more and more and more of those decisions. Any of you guys that just started with learning with me, you've only got two, three, four, five months of learning with me. You haven't accumulated enough wisdom yet in order to accumulate enough wholesome decisions to extinguish your unwholesome karma. It just hasn't been enough time, but you're headed in the right direction. You're dedicated, you're determined, you're diligent, you're working in that direction, and you're headed in the right direction. You just need to accumulate more wisdom. 
and you need to accumulate more and more wise decisions as you progress forward. You talk to James or Manal or Amina or any of these people that have been learning for significant periods of time. You know, I think James is a little bit over a year now. Manal's kind of right there. Amina, I think, has been a year and a half, two years almost. These people, they can tell you that they've got a whole lot of wholesome decisions under their belt and they're noticing significant improvements in their life practice. But even you guys that have been learning in one month or two months or even some people a week or two, you start implementing some of these practices of meditation and so forth. And you can see after just one meditation session, whoa, my mind is more calm. I'd like to try that again. And you do it again. And wow, that's working. So you kind of look at these little successes and you notice that each step you take, one by one by one, things are slowly getting better. But if you crave that ultimate peace, that ultimate calmness, that ultimate serenity and contentedness with joy that we call enlightenment, then you're never going to be where you want to be because you're craving to be somewhere that you're not. You're four months into this, or you're six months into this, or you're six days into this, right? Even if you've been learning with another teacher for some period of time, you're just a few months or a few days into this, or even a year into this. It's going to take some time to accumulate the wisdom. It's going to take some time to accumulate enough decisions that you get closer and closer and closer to this piece. But with each little step, each meditation session, each time you read the book, each time you attend one of these classes, you get more and more wisdom and you're walking forward a little bit more. So rather than keeping your eyes on that shiny object, which is enlightenment, just look at, okay, I attended this class and I learned some things. Check. I made some wholesome decisions. So therefore, there's some wholesome results. Check. Okay, I'm headed in the right direction. All right, I meditated once today. Check. Tomorrow, you meditate two times. Oh, wow. Check. Right? You're making progress. Gradual training, gradual practice, gradual progress. And accumulating all these decisions, you will start seeing that more and more they will accumulate to more and more benefits. So just be patient with it. Take your time and things will continue to get better and better and better for you. And look for those little successes. Just the fact that you attended this class or you've listened to this podcast or watched this YouTube video or what have you, that's progress. That's two hours that you've been building wholesome gamma, that you've been attentively listening, you're building your concentration, you're building your focus, you're building your concentration and your clarity of mind you're building your wisdom, that's wholesome. And now that's going to produce lots more wholesome decisions. So look at these little incremental successes in this wholesome gamma right now, the new gamma right now. Don't be looking at the future and wishing you were enlightened right now. Just look right now, you're doing the right things. And that's what you've got to stay focused on in developing that patience because an enlightened being is going to be patient. An enlightened being is not going to be impatient. So if you're feeling the impatience that you really want to be enlightened, then 
train the mind to be calm, train the mind to be patient, stop craving enlightenment. And sometimes you got to talk to yourself to get the mind to understand that. So just be patient with it and, and let me know how it can help. You guys know you can ask questions in this class. You can post in the Facebook group. You can send me a private message and you can schedule private appointments. All of these different ways you can get help. And there's plenty of resources for you to dig into that you can learn more and more. So thank you for your dedication and all the questions. James, Manal, Bassam's not here. Thank you guys for moderating. All of you guys are contributing to this great community of us coming together, supporting and encouraging and motivating each other along this path. And together as a group, you guys are all walking together. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind, it's always an independent practice that you're on your own independent journey. So thank you for joining. I'll see you either Wednesday for loving kindness meditation or next Sunday, which is chapter 10, what is merit? We're gonna be talking about what is merit. So either Wednesday, Saturday, or Sunday, enjoy the rest of your day, have a lovely time. Remember, wholesome karma, treat everybody polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. If all the other teachings are a blur for you, just focus, polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. Until next time, Sabadika. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.